10, 15. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. 45, 50. Pass the 50. 35, 40. Pass the 30. To the 20. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Hello again, everyone. This is the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Highland, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mike Unger. Mike, I know it's uh, mid-November. We're trending towards winter, but I have one piece of very good news for you. Ready for this? Good news. That's surprising. Yeah, let's hear it. We are one week and one day away from the greatest holiday of the year. Right, Mike? Thanksgiving. No religion gets in the way. Everybody <laughs> comes together to love football and food. It is without question the greatest holiday of the year. I couldn't agree with you more there, Timmy. But according to Joey's second grade school play today, it could be even better, Mike. Ah, what 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 do those revolutionaries have to say about this? So of course their second grade play, as you might imagine, was about like how Thanksgiving came to be, right? Mm-hmm. Pilgrims, um, Indians, that sort of thing. The whole Pilgrims, bit. Native Americans, if you will. The whole bit, yes. Um, but this piece of, I mean, I, I'm a student of history, Mike. You know that. I enjoy mm-hmm. my history. Football um, history. Somehow, especially. somehow, in my 42 years, I, I missed this tidbit that I learned today at Joey's second grade play. Did you know the original Thanksgiving lasted three days? No, but I, I'm I'm supportive of that of us going back to that. Can you imagine how great that would be? Well, it does kind of last three days right now. Anyway, you got Thursday. Most people have a Friday off, and now we have a lot of football on Friday. And then Saturday, which could be the greatest day of college football uh, of the season. But imagine if you had three days of actual Thanksgiving. Like, say Thanksgiving was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then the weekend, Mike. That would be spectacular, although it would be familial overkill a bit. You'd have to, you'd have, to have your family Thanksgiving your friend Thanksgiving, and then maybe like a solo Thanksgiving where you just eat your your turkey in solitude in your house while you watch uh, football. I think the only way they made it work, because this is the other thing I learned today, is at the original Thanksgiving, they didn't sit, they stood to eat, which makes sense too, right? No, it's like the new trend of standing at your at your desk. Yeah, everything, everything, your new is, everything new is old again. Or <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's so right. Wait till, can't wait till Thanksgiving and next weekend of football because – this Saturday's slate is less than stellar. Yeah, not the most inspiring. Although there's a couple couple highlights we'll get to later, Mike. Yeah. Um, your weekend of college football was what? I know you you traveled to beautiful Northeast Ohio, Mike, but not just Cleveland. You also traveled to the lovely city of Akron, Ohio. I was all over uh, Northeast as Ohio, as you put it. Watched much of the Maryland-Indiana game along with the Ohio State-Michigan State game at a pizza bar, pizza place in Tremont, the Tremont neighborhood of Cleveland. Uh, rapidly watching Ohio State struggle uh, while actually watching the game in the state of Ohio is becoming one of my favorite hobbies. <laughs> Isn't it fun? <laughs> it's very, very fun. I've never seen a fan base that hates their team, a team that, by the way, never loses <laughs> right. more than Ohio State. Now, granted, this game against Michigan State was ugly with a capital U. Uh, I mean, the, it was a punt fest, and Ohio State's punter was tremendous. Which you had Michigan State took a safety intentionally, not at the end of the game because of clock issues, because they were so desperate 
to advance the ball out of their own, uh, you know, they, out of their own half of the field. And they screwed that up by kicking the ball out of out of bounds on the kickoff anyway. Uh, but Ohio State, they were pretty putrid on offense, but uh, not quite as bad as Michigan State. Very frustrated Buckeyes fans there. And then, as you mentioned, we made our way down to Akron, where on Saturday night I, I saw the Tedeschi Trucks Band. Listeners, if you've never seen them live, do yourself a favor. Go catch them when they come to your city. They are an absolutely incredible blues kind of jam band. Derek Trucks is probably the best living guitar player right now, and they have a six-piece horn section. Great, great band. But before we went into that, we were at a bar in Akron watching the end of Bedlam. Love Bedlam, and this mm-hmm. one uh, lived up to all the hype, watching the end of Northwestern Iowa and then the beginning of Notre Dame-Florida State. So I saw a fair amount of football. Excellent, Mike. I uh, didn't see as much as I would like. I saw a fair deal. <laughs> as I mentioned last week, we had a very busy weekend of various – events and fundraisers and things like that by the way fundraising for uh youth soccer i can think of no no better no no, no no this was for uh cyo mike there's no cyo soccer uh well whatever that is i can think of no better cause <laughs> uh on friday night though i must mention we want axe throwing remember that i told you that yeah 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 that's a big thing here in baltimore too it's because it's how was it was it fun it was fun. I have to say, I am the single worst axe thrower in the history of the world, Mike. <laughs> what makes you a good or bad axe thrower? I couldn't score a point the entire evening. That was the it, that was the issue. Is it essentially darts with axes? Yes. Yes. Okay. And it was pretty pretty embarrassing, Mike. I just could not. After two rounds, you haven't scored yet. It gets in your head, and then it's like, you know, it's like the yips of axe throwing take over, <laughs> and then you're are toast. you are you drinking while you throw these these no, axes? Why would you, what, what would you think, Mike? Of course. Right. The business model essentially is let's uh, as a business let's let's find a big empty warehouse in North Philadelphia, right? We'll do nothing to the buildings except put like a bunch of plywoods and targets in the wall. Put refriger <laughs> like old refrigerators at each court or whatever they're called. Have people put their beer in there and then rent it for like an ungodly amount of money per hour. It's a brilliant <laughs> model. Hipsters will come running. <laughs> right. So anyway, it didn't work out so well. But anyway, I saw of course the Penn State game, a few other games. We'll review uh, shortly. First, news items, Mike. Now, the first two are related um, related in a different way, but under the category of coaches being idiots, mm-hmm. how about Zach Smith, Mike? Well, you can't call him a coach. Well, not anymore, obviously. I mean, I think his <laughs> coaching career is basically over. Of course, the former Ohio State assistant who um, God knows what happened with him. Let's, let's agree that Zach Smith seems like an untoward character, Mike. He seems mentally unstable as well. Right. So, of course, fired by Ohio State because of allegedly a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> a whole bunch of bad yeah, stuff. Yeah, we, we don't need to get into everything. <laughs> no, but this week he decided to go on a Twitter rant. Of course, like, at at this point, uh, if you go on a Twitter rant, never a good sign anyway, right? Yeah. No. It's an epic melt- meltdown that he had yeah, on Twitter. Accusing Tom Herman, the Texas coach, of having an affair on his wife and all this stuff. It, again, who knows what is what and what's true, what's not? All we, all I know is this: this guy seems like a dirtbag, and it does not reflect well on Urban Meyer that he stayed in staff that long. Let's be honest, right? No, and now you have—we're recording this on a Wednesday. You have Urban Meyer appearing to use some of his time now. He should be preparing for the Maryland Terrapins and tough matchup coming up <laughs> on Saturday for his Buckeyes, and he's talking about you know reporters and living in the past with this incident. It doesn't seem like his focus is on his football team right now. Urban's focus seems to be on Urban, I think, right now. Yes, it really does. And uh, he may be able to sneak by the Terps this week, but 
He's got to. Ha- he won't be able to. He won't be able to be like that uh, before, before the Michigan game. Uh, news item two: Coaches behaving badly. Uh, Mike Gundy, who I I think we both enjoy. Mike, we're we're pro Mike Gundy, right? Absolutely, I'm a big fan of Mike Gundy. Have you heard all, the, all those rant this week that he wanted his own rant? Uh, I, he goes on rants so so often. I'm not sure. I I heard him kind of lash out at a reporter. Uh, about the two-point conversion attempt after the game. I don't know if that's the one you're talking about. No, no, this this was about uh, somehow he was asked or was commenting on players transferring or decommitting or whatever, and then he used the term, started talking about like, uh, how the, uh, the the liberalism has infected the culture and these players are snowflakes now and they can't stick mm-hmm. to their commitments or whatever. And it's kind of like, ugh, like as if we don't need to know, these coaches are all kind of like in that, you know, certain mindset. But yes. um What's humorous about this? Like, so he was calling out players for transferring, decommitting, or whatever. Mike, of course, looking back on his college career, guess what Mike Gundy did during his college? <laughs> he, he transferred. <laughs> no, he decommitted from Oklahoma to no. Oklahoma State because, because why? Because he was playing time. Because Jamel Holiday yeah. is the quarterback, of Oklahoma. So it's very convenient huh. for Mike Gundy, huh? Well, we talk about coaches being living in their bubbles, which they certainly do. Yeah. Uh, but then take that bubble and put it in Stillwater, Oklahoma. That is a that's like a, bu- a, bu- a bubble with a hard outer shell, I think, where where no information can can seep in. And it's just funny to have someone uh, in the uh, the heart of Oklahoma talking about liberalism. Probably right. not too many liberals around there. The last note. This is a fun one. So have you seen the photo? Of, <laughs> if there is I mean, if if I'm asked to vote for coach of the year right now and I know there's many worthy candidates, but there is one that stands out to me, Mike. Pat Fitzgerald. I'm going to go coach Mike Leach, right? Yes. Uh, have you seen the new art piece in his office? No, I haven't. I, I love the interview <laughs> that he did after the win over Colorado where he was wearing the mustache, though. So there's a photo. I, I saw it in Sports Illustrated. It's a picture of Mike Leach sitting in this leather chair and have, I think having a beer in his office wearing a hoodie. And then behind him is a, <laughs> a painting of Mike Leach wearing a headset boxer shorts and black socks i'm watching i'm looking at it right now it appears as if he is uh mimicking george costanza correct yes is that brilliant or what yes uh it is and of course not a coincidence that he would allow himself to be photographed in front of he's got a nice beer gut going on yeah um and then he's got a trophy right next to him too huh it's got uh, looks like some kind of uh pack 12 north trophy or something like that i'm not sure which trophy it is but yeah it's a beautiful beautiful shot of him shirtless wearing a headset um with the black socks in the costanza it's his face on the george costanza pose he's a character isn't he we had him in we had him in our hands in college park tim this could have been a golden era for maryland football instead i'd call it more of a brownish era right yes uh mike the weekend review ready yep all right. How about Syracuse 54, Louisville 23? Of course, the big note coming out of this game is that Bobby Petrino fired at Louisville after a train wreck of a season. And four of his, uh, or three or four of his family members fired as well. How, If you're these ADs, how can you allow your coach just to simply hire his, his family member? And it happens all over the profession. The Redskins, another horrible organization, uh, for they for five straight head coaches had their sons on the staff. I don't understand how this can happen uh, in, in football so prevalently. It's crazy. Because these coaches are given carte blanche, do whatever they want. Yeah, that's, that's problem, true. Right? That's true. Love Syracuse, though. Great win for the Orange. And uh, 
their resurgence has given us at least one game to look forward to uh, this coming Saturday. Alabama 24, Mississippi State 0. I mean, at this point, what can you say, really, about Alabama? You, you can say one thing, that the uh, Alabama, of course, back-to-back shutouts of a top 25 teams. Um, the last team, here's a little quiz for you, Tim, the last uh, AP number is, one team to shut out consecutive ranked opponents before Alabama did it was who in 1945? Army, of course. Mike. That's correct. Do you know who they shut out, though? Notre Dame and Penn State, I believe. Penn State. 48 nothing over Notre Dame and 61 nothing over your nits in 1945. Right. Way to go, Army. Great stat. Um, yeah, Mississippi State, though, played a little D. Played a little D against Alabama. And uh, Bama's got to hope that Tua is, is 100% for the SEC championship game, I think. Because Hurts is hurt, too, right? Yeah, Hurts is banged up as well. Yeah. Somehow I think I still... they can still win. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was You took the words right out of my mouth. I said, somehow I still think they're going to be okay. They might have, like, a fifth-string quarterback who is, like, the next Jalen Hurts just sitting there. Yeah, right? probably. <laughs> uh, Clemson 27, BC 7. Now, I will say it was great to see awesome game day crowd at, at, in Boston. Um, it's great to see BC doing well. But this is not a surprising result, right? This is, as we've said many times about many games, talent is talent, and Clemson has the talent. Yeah, they, they sure do. A little stat here, courtesy of our intern, Will Christie. Clemson's... First string defense uh, has not given up a touchdown since September. Hmm. That's their first string defense. Excellent. And then from uh, Will's father, noted listener, Doc Christie, uh, texted on Saturday that because this was such a big game, his tongue firmly in cheek, he uh, texted, because this was such a big game, apparently Boston College's administration uh, decided to allow the tailgating lots to open early four hours before the game and uh these uh, my southern friends found that very very amusing um what are the chances that will will not attend clemson <laughs> they're, it's, they're very low his mom went to florida state um but based on how the Knolls are playing i don't think uh will's gonna go there could we like maybe like start a little campaign to get him to go to south carolina wouldn't that be great <laughs> you think he'd be disowned <laughs> we shall see um, Notre Dame 42, Florida State 13. We've said it all year. Florida State is an absolute disaster. Their uh, defense is abysmal. Oh, they're terrible. And Notre Dame, I, I mean, y- you can't deny. And, of course, the very interesting question at this point is what might happen. Let's say Georgia beats Bama in the SEC title game. And you have a Big Ten champion, Michigan. You have a ACC champion, um, Clemson. You have a – what? what, what Eleven and one Notre Dame, or yeah, I mean, if they if they lose to Syracuse, no, I mean, they'd be undefeated, right? Und- yeah, undefeated. If they're, they're undefeated right now. If if Notre Dame beats Syracuse and beats USC, they're in no matter what happens. And then a Big Twelve champion Oklahoma, who's left out. Yeah, and you could have a big. You could have. I mean, I don't want to get too uh, far ahead of ourselves with these scenarios, but a scenario where Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game would be very very interesting because I think Bama would still get in. Yes, and I think it's bad for Michigan. It's only, very bad only because they lost to Notre Dame. That's exactly. the only only thing that would keep them out, right? Because I yep. think Michigan looks great right now. Anyway, uh, Michigan forty two, Rutgers seven. Now I, it's here for one reason, Mike. Um, I do enjoy. I, this is one of my this is one of my guilty pleasures. On a Monday morning, I get to work. I check the Washington Post. I read the Guardian. I read Deadspin, of course, and then I read um, the Penn State stuff, and then I read NJ.com. 
which is the the, the uh, Newark Star Ledger website. Okay, and they actually have you'd be shocked to know this extensive coverage of Rutgers football on there, right? And it's like high comedy. It's just it's fantastic reading the Rutgers coverage because these are people like um, they're professional journalists and columnists and they're talented people. But they've been tasked with covering this god awful program that has no chance of competing, right? So they're, yeah. they're just by the nature of the job, because you're doing this job and you want to be hopeful, right? So it's more fun for you for you <laughs> if you're covering a halfway decent program, right? So the actual spin this week was that th- there was positives because this game wasn't like seventy to nothing. They were. <laughs> <laughs> that it was, was close kind of the over... it went into the second quarter. It was a close game. So they, I think one, the, the one article or column was kind of like, look, maybe this is a sign that Rutgers is starting to get athletes to compete with these teams. And I'm like, you lost 42-7. to there's no, you, there's no upside here. <laughs> you have really developed a confusing and confounding infatuation with Rutgers football this season. On Don't the, you on find this it all fascinating world, though? Well, Mac, wouldn't you? Again, I'm sorry. I have my own Rutgers in Indiana and Maryland. <laughs> but I, no, I think Rutgers is a different level. They are. They're, they're worse. Level. Right. Because, like, yeah, whatever. We could, I, we could do a whole show on Rutgers, Mike. Wouldn't Let's not, <laughs> Georgia 27, Auburn 10. As I mentioned with the Clemson game, this came down to talent. Um, Swift is rounding into form, clearly. Yeah, yeah, Georgia's now. looking good. Um they are going to give Bama a test. I, I, I mean, I, it would take a almost perfect game from Georgia to beat them, but I think Georgia could, under the right circumstances, beat them. Oh, I agree. And, and Georgia has what very few teams, only really one other team has, and that's the confidence, the, the, the idea in their mind that they can beat Alabama. I think Bama has already beaten most teams when the, when the opening kickoff happens, but not against Georgia and not against Clemson. By the way, noted listener Brent and my friend Charles – who is a uh, Georgia alum, went down to Athens for this game. They loved the whole scene, the whole atmosphere, the game itself, uh, the, the town, everything was great. So uh, props to, to Georgia and Athens for showing those guys a good time. Oklahoma 48, Okie State 47. I mean, Bedlam is Bedlam, right, Mike? Bedlam is Bedlam, well put. It's quickly becoming one of my top, I'd say, three rivalry games. Uh, I actually kind of like how they've moved it up because it uh, kind of sprinkles some of those rivalry games throughout the whole last couple, you know, two or three weeks of the season. We uh, we actually have, I think, Stanford Cal is this Saturday. Um, so you've got some great rivalry games the last three weeks of the season. A lot of people complaining about the lack of defense in this game, and that is true. The defense is terrible, but that's just how these schools are built. It's how this conference is built, really. Um, it was a fascinating, interesting game. I, I give Mike Gundy props for going for two because – Oklahoma's the better team. Let's face it. You're on the road. You're playing a better team. I think it was the right move. He had the receiver wide open, and the quarterback who played great, he had over 500 yards, just made a bad throw. Unfortunate. Um, But Oklahoma survives. Good game, though. Great game. Washington State 31, Colorado 7. It's just a dream year for Wazoo. There's no question about it. It is, and it's quickly becoming a dream year for me as well. I had them as my lock of the week. (laughs) I won it. That's five in a row for those of you who are counting. And after this week, I could claw my way back up to 500. Speaking of dream seasons, West Virginia 47, TCU 10. Now, on this this show last week, I said, like, hey, watch out, danger game. (laughs) You did. (laughs) And not so much. I mean, it it was close for a quarter and a half, two quarters. And then, uh, again, the Mountaineers are legitimately good. My cousin Dave, Mike, as you know, a big fan. Yes. Enjoying this season very much with his new baby. Um, 
they're lurking. They're lurking, right? Yeah, we could be. I fear we're we're going to be in for a very odd scenario where West Virginia and Oklahoma meet uh, in the last week of the season in a game that's going to be essentially irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, because the the well, whoever whoever loses that game is is probably eliminated from the playoffs. So I wouldn't say irrelevant, but there'll there'll be a rematch. You know, eight days later for the big uh, Big Twelve title. I don't know how that's going to go down. It's kind of just going to be a wait and see situation to see if that works for or against the Big Twelve. Ohio State twenty six, Michigan State six. Now I'm going to say this, and people will roll their eyes. And of course, we know we have several Ohio State listeners, Mike. Several. I would just say this, and I think you probably agree with me. And you can't take away from Ohio State that yes, they are nine and one. That's an impressive achievement, right? Correct. If you were to ask me, well, are they a, a very nine and one ish nine and one team? I would no. say no. <laughs> they're, really... they're they're a very uh, six and four ish nine and one team. <laughs> they truly are. Right. I mean, props to them for winning. And look at the final score here, and it doesn't look close. But their offense was terrible. This was as big a ten game. At, this is the type of game that SEC fans point to when they talk about the Big Ten being inferior. Right. It was punt after punt after punt after punt. Okay, some of that is good defense. Michigan State does have a good defense. Does Ohio State have a very good defense? You know, they haven't shown that they have earlier in the season. Michigan State does not have a very good offense. It was field position. It was punting. It was fumbles in the end zone. It was uh, taking safeties in the second quarter. It was gray up there in Lansing. It was not. It was not an aesthetically pleasing game, and uh, that came through in the. The restaurant, the bar where I was, the, the fans were not happy. But, uh, hey, it's win and move on for Ohio State. They're still alive, and they still – I don't know if they control their own destiny, but they're definitely still very much alive for the playoff. I'll say this, though. So last year, you and I had some very heated arguments, Mike, at times, where I was trying to make – I was making the argument that you can't convince me that the college football playoff committee is not uh, influenced by a team's history. True. Right? But you look at the rankings this week, and of course they say we're looking at this year's team's resume. We're looking at mm-hmm. the best four teams this year. Mm-hmm. Well, here here's some validation for them. You have an Ohio State team at nine and one, ranked behind an eight and one West Virginia, a nine and one Washington State, and a two loss LSU. Now, yeah. any other year before this year, no way, right? But yeah, the committee's clearly clearly looking at that team and saying not impressed they're one spot ahead of ucf by the way yeah and by the way though they that's all true everything you just said is completely true and i give the committee props for that but they still have that michigan game looming on their schedule a week from saturday and if they win that game and say they win in impressive fashion they destroy northwestern we'll get to the northwestern game but uh, i mean we'll get to the northwestern iowa game i assume but it's all still kind of there for them. And, you know, would you put it past them to be able to do those two things, those three things, win, the, win their next three in impressive fashion? No, I would not. I would. Um, but, but you have to say the way <laughs> the eye test, what you've seen of, of Ohio State, uh, you know, in the last two months has not been pretty. Isn't the greatest thing like, so there's two sports that the eye test matters it's college football and ice skating, right, Mike? <laughs> true true boxing a little bit if you don't if you don't knock the guy out then the eye test matters in boxing too penn state 22 wisconsin 10 it was termed the disappointment bowl mike 
<laughs> I like that. And what kind of attendance did we get with the with the uh, the closed parking lots, the noon kick, the disappointing results for both for both schools? I wonder how the attendance went. I'd say I mean I, I didn't get the official count, but the stadium was pretty full. So I give the Penn State fans credit. Good job for them. Um, the weather was not as crappy as I thought it was going to be. That no, it was a little bit. Actually, yeah, yeah. It looked it looked kind of sunny actually. Right. Um, under, the announced attendance was 105-396. I bet that that's a bit padded. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'll say this. Penn State played well. Uh, Miles Sanders is going to be a good good back. Wisconsin's current quarterback situation is so bad. I think yeah, the, the, like so, like, what's his name? What's uh, was the starter is hurt? I'm blanking on his name. Hornybrook. Hornybrook. Who's no great shakes in the first place? No, no. And I think it's the kid. His name, his name is Jack Cohn now. Yeah, that didn't. He doesn't sound like a quarterback. I think he's a former lacrosse player. Regardless, the situation. See, that's, he sounds like a lacrosse player. <laughs> I mean, it was – so that night I, we went to that fundraiser. I saw a friend of mine who's a Wisconsin grad, and I was like, dude, like I'm a Penn State fan watching that game, and I felt bad for Wisconsin because you – we've all had teams rooted for. Like the Penn State teams in 03 and 04, I knew when they got the ball, they couldn't score. They just couldn't mm-hmm. score. And you watch that Wisconsin team, they're hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. And it's a little mind-boggling to say that when they have one of, if not the best running back in the entire country on right, the team. Right, but when you know he's getting the ball every play. Yeah, <laughs> there's not, yeah, they can't throw it. There's no threat of throwing the ball over five yards, yeah. No, so I mean, it's, uh, Wisconsin's in sad shape. Uh, Northwestern 14, Iowa 10. How about that, Mike? The Northwestern Wildcats, Big Ten West champions. Not only Big Ten West champions, they have clinched it with two conference games remaining. That's Take awesome. a second to think about that. <laughs> They, they have two games left on the schedule, both Big Ten games, and yet they've 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 clinched. They could they could be six and six in theory, uh, six and six in the in the Big Ten championship game. That's that's stunning. Congrats to Pat Fitzgerald. You know, listeners know that you and I absolutely love Pat Fitzgerald. He's everything you want in a coach of a of a mediocre middling program. <laughs> uh, he, he's just tremendous. Iowa, I'm not sure what happened to them. They were really up and down this year. They, they've gone from looking great to looking terrible to looking great to looking terrible. Um, but you said you watched a lot of this game, and I, I watched it as well. It was on in the bar alongside Bedlam. Much different different styles of football being played uh, being played in Iowa City as opposed to, to Norman. Right, so I think you and my sister Colleen were watching Bedlam, and you guys were texting about that game. Brian was too, right? You're like, oh, what an amazing game. And I was watching Northwestern Iowa, Mike. Loyalty <laughs> but, to the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny we didn't get any text from you saying what an amazing game. So when you watch that kind of game in the Big Ten, like it, it, the, your phone knows you're watching it, and the texting <laughs> slows down to the pace of the game. So <laughs> <laughs> it takes about a 45 minutes for one text to get out. It's like a fax that has to go through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, top 25, Mike. You ready? Yep. Number 25. Welcome back, Boise State. Yeah, they beat Fresno State, right? And a huge uh, huge win in the group of five. Nice to have Boise State back. Still want to go there one day. Right, 24 Cincy. Awesome matchup this Saturday. I'm so glad game day is going down there. That's going to be fun. 23 Utah State. Love them being there. Yeah, they're, but what are they, the second? They're either the highest scoring or second highest scoring team in the country. I think they're probably second behind Oklahoma. 22 Northwestern and 21 Mississippi State, both at six and four. The four, the, the four loss juggernauts checking in there, but I like how the committee kept them out of the top 20, though. Four losses, you can't be in the top 20. That's a good rule. We have uh, next four, seven and three, 20 Boston College, 19 Utah, 18 Washington, 17 Kentucky, all seven and three. 
Now, there's a lot. You and I like listening to ESPN. You, of course, I like Mark Packer as as you do too. There's a lot of people call into a show and complain about the placement of teams, you know, 16 to 25. And the committee has to have 25 teams in there. That's like a rule. Right. They, they can't just leave spots 22, 23, 24, and 25 empty. You got to have you got to have those teams in there and ranking them from 16 to 25. Talk about a crapshoot. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, 16 Iowa State and 15 Texas. Uh, Texas, Tim got you your lock of the week last week on a really a, a miracle kind of kind of win. They scored touchdown to break actually did break the tie with less than a minute to go. But uh, Texas has been making some plays. Sam Ellinger been playing very very well for Texas, and uh, it's been a good year for both them and Iowa State. How about 14 Penn State, 13 Florida, 12 Syracuse. Listen to those rankings. Penn State and Florida behind Syracuse. Yeah. Little surprise, Syracuse or Florida still up there. They kind of got lucky against South Carolina, came back and won that one. But I love to see the Cuse at number thirteen. Dino Babers and company. I hope they. Uh, I really hope, really hope they beat uh, Notre Dame on uh, on Saturday because for two reasons. One, the chaos would be fun, and two, the uniforms that Notre Dame is wearing is an affront to college football. And, oh, it's uh, terrible. Yeah, it's it's terrible. a disgrace that they'll yeah. be wearing pinstripes to try and align themselves with the Yankees, the uh, the worst franchise in all of pro sports. It's it's embarrassing, actually. It's embarrassing. It is. Right. It is embarrassing. It devalues their brand. Yeah. And if there's any justice in the world, they'll lose, Mike. They'll yeah, lose. I, can, I completely agree with you. Um, so, number 11, UCF. I want to say this real quick. So, you and I, Mike, we, we're good-hearted souls, right? <laughs> we're, I, we'd like to think so. We, we, we like an underdog story as much as anybody. Um, we've been having a back-and-forth feud with our my, my best friend growing up, Chris, for like weeks now. Now, Chris was once a solid college football fan. He's kind of like turned against the sport he's convinced that there's all it's built on injustice the rest of it so he, he has never bounced back from the sandusky uh, <laughs> uh, th- uh episode at penn state he's never mm. been the same since then no so let's just say this all right look i absolutely commend ucf for building what they've built it's an impressive story 22 straight wins is amazing um i'm all for programs coming up from like the lower levels and like making a charge look we saw tcu did it it can happen right mm-hmm um, but let's be honest, Mike. You and I watch as much college football as anybody, right? We see enough of these teams. Most we, weeks. We, we understand kind of the reality that, you know, here's a simple reality, folks, that the best teams typically have the best players and the talent wins football games. And as good as UCF has been against their schedule, they don't have the talent to consistently beat the kind of teams they would play in the college football playoff. They're not one of the top four teams in the country, period, end of story, period. I I agree with you, but I'd like to add this. I am one who likes to go by the results on the field. Rather, I I would put a lot more onus on that than the so-called eye test. Now, granted, UCF's defense does not pass the eye test. Their offense is, is outstanding. Their defense is terrible. People could say the same thing about Oklahoma, but... Oklahoma's athletes are better than UCF's, but I digress. My point is they've played a very, very poor schedule. Now, yes. people will say it's not their fault. No one will play them, and I completely agree with those people. I wish there was a way that the big schools 
would agree to play the UCFs of the world. They're not going to do that. It's not in their interest. Therefore, as we talked about on this text, the system is rigged. The system is no, undoubtedly rigged. There's no doubt about it. UCF cannot get its foot in the door to play these teams, although I will point out they beat Pitt this year, right. and that's likely the uh, an ACC title game partici- participant, Pitt, who, by the way, ran for 492 yards on Bud Foster's Virginia Tech defense. Wow. Let that sink in for a second. So it's not fair to UCF. So I, I'm, I'm kind of on both sides. It's not fair to UCF. Um, but I also don't think they're anywhere near one of the top four teams in the country. Uh, so until the system has changed, we're, not, we're, we're still going to have these kinds of things. But if you go to UCF, you've won 22 games in a row. you got a great stadium. It looks like a blast down there. You're in Florida. It's warm. you got game day coming on Saturday. You went to the was it the Sugar Bowl last year? You right. could easily go to another New Year's Six Bowl. Things are good. Don't complain about it. Take it. I mean, I'm I'm I went to Indiana, a Big Ten school. We we have gone to four bowls in 25 years, and none <laughs> of them have been even in the second half of December, really. So, things are good at UCF. I think they should they should enjoy the ride rather than complain about what uh, what's not coming to them. And this is this is the the great mistake of people who truly don't understand college football, Mike. Well, it's, we knew this was going to happen when they went to the playoff. It's not all about the playoff. It's not all about winning the national championship. No, <laughs> it's, it's not. not. It's not. The entire sport is not built to be about that. It, and if you only want to be a fan to see your team win, team win national title, well, good luck. A&M yeah. has never won a national title, right? Yeah. There's lots of schools that have never won it. So there's lots and lots and lots of schools that have never won it. Yeah, right. you have to enjoy the ride, and you have to acknowledge that a lot of times, hey, ten and two, winning a bowl game—that's a great year. We had a great year, and for other schools, it's seven and five and winning a bowl game. You know? Yes, Mike. Anyway, <laughs> uh, ten Ohio State, nine West Virginia, eight Washington State, seven LSU, six Oklahoma. I would love to somehow see Washington State sneak in the playoff one of these years because it would just be so fun. Right. Right. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think it's going to be this year. <laughs> you know why, Mike? Because they're the players. Anyway, uh, <laughs> five Georgia, four Michigan, three Notre Dame, and of course, two Clemson, one Alabama. I still think it's Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan until the results bear out from here. I mean, like, of course, yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, the, the Michigan Ohio State game is really, and then the uh, SEC title game, assuming that uh, Georgia gets by Georgia Tech and that Bama gets by Auburn, which I think we both are assuming. All right, Mike, games of the week. You ready? Ready. Let's do it. Ohio State at Maryland. One of my favorite Big Ten games because I just love the contrast of Ohio State. Like I just, I, I just, I love the picture of Ohio State getting on the plane to, to fly to Maryland to play Maryland, and they're wondering <laughs> like, why are we playing Maryland? Like, do, do they understand? Do they remember that they're in the conference at all? Mike, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> I think they do. When when the when the week like Urban tells them about it like on Monday, and they're like, oh yeah, with Maryland we do have to play Maryland in this game. <laughs> Only a 14-and-a-half-point spread, Ohio State. I really, based on what I've seen from Maryland, they, it's been a, it's been obviously a nightmare season on and off the field for Maryland. I feel for their players. And they put forth great effort on Saturday against the Hoosiers. It was actually a very entertaining game between two really you know lower-tier teams. But 14-and-a-half uh, strikes me as a little, little low. Right? Yeah. Does that tell you that the world knows something we don't know, Mike? Is there a it, chance? Is there a chance? 
people there's no chance but people are very low on uh, on ohio state this could be now also you know ohio state will have its its sights set on michigan but uh this could be a get well game for ohio state penn state at rutgers noon btn now mike there's a chance because of the weather again it's snowing here tomorrow i believe that soccer may be canceled on uh saturday so if i felt like it i could get in the car and go to the penn state rutgers game how far a drive is Piscataway from uh, your well, Philadelphia suburb? Well, I have options. Suburb? I could drive for an hour and 20 or get in the train for like an hour. Ooh, train sounds like a good option. Right. Uh, that sounds like a fun little Saturday. 28-point spread for Penn State. Uh, I like the nits in this one. This is the type of game in which Penn State is going to want to destroy its back its backyard neighbor. And Rutgers seems like they lose every game minimum 42-7. to 7. So uh, <laughs> right. uh, I'm going to take Penn State here. How about this is a classic uh, November Big Ten game. Northwestern at Minnesota. Now, Mike, so here we go. So Minnesota is still trying to get towards bowl eligibility, right? And they annihilated Purdue on Saturday. Which is impressive. Very surprising uh, result, yeah. Meanwhile, Northwestern has just clinched the division championship, right? And you're traveling to, I'm I'm assuming, cold Minnesota? You got to go with that assumption, yes. What's the line here? Well, interesting. Minnesota opened, uh, Northwestern opened a three-point favorite, but it's now Minnesota favored by one. So the betting public, uh, I think, sees that Minnesota has more to play for. This is a really very bizarre scenario. Right. Um, Minnesota has more to play for. You know, Northwestern, their bowl slotting is not really that important for them. If if they win the Big Ten uh, championship, they're going to the Rose Bowl. If not, they're going with four losses. They're not going to go anywhere. They don't travel well either. They're not going anywhere great. So so it's an odd situation. You you have to see what – it's impossible to predict, you know, what kind of effort Northwestern is going to come out and play with. Like the situation, I would go Minnesota to cover. Yeah. But the coach, I would go Northwestern to cover, right? No doubt. You you don't believe in row, row, row your boat? I mean, he's fine. Over Pat Fitzgerald. He's fine, right? No, he's no, he's no Pat Fitz, though. I, right. I agree with you. Fascinating game. How about Syracuse at Notre Dame, two thirty, NBC, Yankee Stadium? Now, I could also get the train and go to Yankee Stadium, Mike. That's right. That's only what an hour away from you, too, if I right. train or something. Yeah. Uh, I think I would kind of lean Syracuse Notre Dame <laughs> over uh, over Rutgers Penn State. What do you mean? Uh, the Irish ten and a half point favorites. I tell you right. Now I like Syracuse. This is like the game of their lives for these Syracuse kids. Um, I've seen a football game at Yankee Stadium. It's a weird place to to watch and play football. I think odd things can happen, and the karmic gods will be against Notre Dame because they're bastardizing themselves by wearing those uniforms. Take the cues and the points. Are you you feel confident about that, Mike? I do, I do. I think Syracuse has a great off. Look look at Syracuse's losses. They almost beat Clemson in Clemson, and that's it. They lost one other game. Uh, they had, I think, it was to Pitt on there, and it was a very, very close game. And it, when they had their Clemson hangover, um, I think this is, uh, this is, this is going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to watching this one. Can the Cues win? The Cues can absolutely win. I wouldn't be shocked if Syracuse won. Uh, West Virginia at Okie State, three thirty ABC. Any danger there for the ears, Mike? Uh, absolutely, because Oklahoma State has. A very, very, very good offense. Now, they have a putrid defense. West Virginia has a great offense, probably a little bit better defense, but the game is at Oklahoma State. Um, Mountaineers, just a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Should be a fun one as well. It's a 330 game. 
a uh, lot on the line for West Virginia. I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be close, but I think West Virginia wins by a touchdown or more. How about Indiana at Michigan, Mike? Now, can the Hoosiers do the world a favor and beat the Wolverines here? They can't beat them because they've lost twenty something <laughs> in a row to them. Uh, however, they can certainly cover a twenty eight point spread. The last four games, in fact, have been ten points or less. Michigan will absolutely be looking past Indiana uh, to Ohio State. No doubt about that, right? Um, they, um, Indiana doesn't fit into the Michigan the narrative of Michigan's revenge tour, right? They have no they have no revenge to exact on the Hoosiers. So I think this is going to be much closer than the experts think. I'm taking Indiana plus the 28. Uh, Iowa State at Texas, interesting game, now, the, right? Very interesting game, and I'd put it probably in the top five games of the weekend. However. I will not be able to watch this game unless I go out because it is televised on the Longhorn Network. Oh. Uh, you, now, don't you get that at home for some inexplicable reason? No, I, reason? I, I switched uh, services. I don't do uh, it anymore. I mean, I, you didn't, wanna, I didn't, you didn't spend... want to be a part of any service that, that offered you the Longhorn Network? I didn't spend a lot of time watching it, it must be said. <laughs> well, you don't, want, you don't want to watch, like, uh, um, you know, Texas Badminton or anything like that? No. Well, I bet, that, I bet there's some interesting skeet shooting or fishing out there. You probably could have watched some fishing shows on the Longhorn Network, I'm absolutely, guessing. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Texas, three-point favorite against Iowa State. This is going to be a fun game. Uh, important game for both teams. Um, Memorial Stadium probably be rocking down there. Hakeem Butler, what a great receiver, right, for Iowa State. I believe he is a native of the Baltimore area, Tim. Mm. One of the best receivers in the country. Cincy at UCF, of course, game day is going there. That's awesome. I applaud game day for going there. Great week for them to go there. Um, it's going to be such a fun atmosphere. 9-1 and one against 10-0. and 0. I think Cincinnati could beat them. Cincinnati's got the defense to do it. But uh, can they slow down that UCF offense? It's going to, I think that'll be a fun game to watch. And, of course, Mike, the biggest game of the weekend, Lehigh versus Lafayette. In the... Go ahead. Uh, 154th edition, is it? I believe so, yes. Yes. Most played rivalry in college football, of course. I've been begging you to come for years. You keep ignoring me, Mike. (laughs) And that streak will continue. (laughs) Uh, One of these years I will come, but uh, it's certainly not going to be this one. How's Lehigh doing this year? It's been a bad year. Is this an important game this year? No, not at all. No. (laughs) Of course, as as our coach says, we played two seasons. We played ten games and then the Lafayette game. It's its own season. Right, I love and, that. I love that emphasis on the uh, on the rivalry. And I, again, I tell you every year on the show, and people roll their eyes probably at this too. But the reality is this: it's like Lehigh football. It's it's a it's a fun level of football. We played Navy this year. We played Princeton, Penn, good teams, right? Um, but the one game that gets our entire community together, and it's a sellout every single year, is this game. And it is actually, if they lose. It, it is a crushing defeat. And for the seniors especially, it is like, you know, they're crying. This is like they play the entire year for this game. So when you have that much invested into this game, even taking the context of the rest of the season out of it, it's it's literally everything for these kids. So, and the fans and the rest of it. The first year I worked there, I brought my dad and my brother, and they were like, wow, they take this seriously. I'm like, this is like what they the entire year is about, is this game. So, and there's so many games like that around the country like Wabash, DuPaul, of course, Mike, Amherst, Williams, Harvard, Yale, where the, the season's boiled down to the Army-Navy to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a unique kind of atmosphere 
where you you put all your eggs in literally one basket. So I encourage anyone go go to your local game like this. There's many of them around the country. It's a lot of fun to go to. What time is kickoff? Uh, 1 p.m. I believe, Mike. Hmm, interesting. So you could actually go to that one too. You got, this is what a what a rare weekend where you have uh, in, a plethora of opportunities uh, to attend games in person. Not the common thing uh, for someone who lives in the Northeast. I need a helicopter to go like hop around the game. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrific. Two games that you failed to mention, Tim. Uh, Stanford and Cal. Ah. That's the big game, right? Or is that just the game? I always forget. I always confuse those I think it's two. the big game, yeah. It's the big game, yeah. Cal, Stanford favored by two. Game is in Cal. Cal's got a real good defense there. Both both teams, six and four. Should be a low-scoring game. Should be a, a fun one to watch Sunday, uh, Saturday night at 7.30. And one last game that you failed to mention, Tim. UNLV goes to the islands to take on Hawaii. <laughs> in a, of course, a rivalry that has recently been dubbed the Ninth Island Showdown. The winner of this game wins the Island Showdown trophy. It is a large metal pineapple. <laughs> I would do anything to watch this game. It's an 11 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. It is untelevised. What? The I, the Ninth Island Showdown is not on TV unless it's on some kind of uh, Mountain West uh, streaming thing that I don't know about. It is not on uh, any kind of regular cable television. I'm crushed by that because I was very much looking forward to watching my Warriors uh, on Sunday night. Saturday night, pardon me. It's into Sunday morning. Why is it called the Ninth Island? I didn't, get a, I didn't get time to do that research. <laughs> Maybe I'll come back. Uh, that's a, that's a uh, teaser for next week's show. You'll, you'll find out, folks, why it's called the Ninth Island Showdown. All right, Mike, your pick last week was what? It was... Uh, a winner, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm five and six. Uh, it was Washington State. The Cougars, easy cover over Colorado, 31 to seven. Yours was Texas. They a lot more work for you to cover against Texas Tech. They scored a touchdown last minute to win, but uh, you got the win, Tim. So you're four and seven. I'm five and six. We both started slowly, but we are coming on. That's five in a row for me. All right, your Bobby hit the bumper. Plays bets on college football. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't care. I don't care. I never have and I never will. Yeah, right. Mike Unger, 50-50, possible lot, probably loser of the week. Please hang up and try again. For this week's Lock of the Week, much like you don't have to travel for your football games this week, Timmy, I don't have to go far for my Lock of the Week. Just down the road, Highway I-97 to Annapolis, home of the Navy Midshipmen, where it's not been a very Navy-like season for Ken Niamatololo and his middies. They're 2-8, and eight, but in come the 2-8 and eight Tulane Green Wave. Now, between a battle between two 2-8 two teams, give me... One whose players are definitely going to be trying, that's Navy, over one whose players probably don't care at all, that's Tulane. Give me the team that's used to playing outside in cold weather, that's Navy, against a southern team that plays in a dome, that's Tulane. And give me the triple option team that actually played quite well against UCF last week. They only lost by 11 um, against Tulane. I'm taking Navy minus five against the Green Wave. Level of confidence, Mike. And not quite as high as as it's been. Uh, it's about six. I considered going with Penn State minus twenty eight. 
against Rutgers, but I thought that wasn't fair. Just picking against Rutgers is, is not cool. By the way, did you notice that Purdue is a four-and-a-half-point favorite at Wisconsin? Uh, I did. Wisconsin is not a good football team. And no, Purdue they're, has the... they're terrible. Yeah, yeah. But I can't pick them, Mike. No, no. How about USC minus three-and-a-half versus UCLA? Uh, Coach Helton coaching for his job pretty much, right? If he loses to UCLA, that's it. It's curtains for him. So we'll see whether uh, his team wants him to come back next year or not. If uh, Dangerous pick because if the players don't like him, uh, they might not show up for this one. There's not many attractive lines this week. Did you sense there was many, Mike? I didn't see a no, lot. No, that's why I struggled with Navy. <laughs> that's why I put my confidence level low. There's not many attractive games. They are staggered out nicely, for me at least. You got the Maryland game at noon. got Notre Dame at 2.30. Indiana at 4. Stanford Cal at night. Duke, Sarah, uh, Duke uh, Clemson at night. And then, of course, uh, UCF and Cincinnati at 8. I only wish I could end it with, uh, with Hawaii and UNLV. But... Other than that, there's not much to watch. You don't. This is not one of these weeks where you really need a lot of TVs going on. So I'm forced. The only game that seems like something I could get behind, and it pains me to do so, I'm going to take Pitt to cover minus seven versus Wake Forest, Mike. Yeah, I think that's a very good pick. Wake had a heroic comeback against NC State last week uh, behind a, a young quarterback that was a really entertaining game on Thursday night. But they're just crushed and depleted by injuries, and Pitt has everything to play for, of course. They need one more win to clinch the Coastal and play Clemson in the ACC championship game, where I'm sure they'll get uh, slaughtered. Mike, what is your weekend of college football? I've got an open slate on Saturday, Tim. I will be uh, in and around the Canton neighborhood of Baltimore, Maryland, watching as much college football as I can. And I will be TBD, Mike. We'll see what happens with the weather. You never know. There's so many. You have so much potential, Tim. You, you can go to three games. You can watch games on TV. Do not come back on the podcast next week and tell me that uh, you just coached eight soccer games and that's it. <laughs> All right. All right, folks. Uh, thanks again. Enjoy the games. And, uh, again, truly appreciate them because we are getting down to the very end here, folks. It's almost done. It's fading away. Every day it's fading away, Mike. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> All right. One thing to say, Mike. Pachas. Thank you for listening to the TCFN Podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit intelligent